kicking off episode 357 of Monster Kid Radio with the song Headhunt. It is from the EP of the same name from the band The Necronautics. They're a surf band based in Mannheim, Germany. And you can find them at thenecronautics.bandcamp.com. They gave us permission to play their music here on the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I am your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the show. A day late. Uh, this is going to be a slightly shorter show than normal. It's also running a little behind. I mentioned on Facebook what was going on. Basically, uh, yesterday was Valentine's Day, as well as my wedding anniversary with the most amazing woman in the world. Um, no offense to all you other ladies, but Brenda's got you beat. Uh, so yesterday was our 18th wedding anniversary. And while I did work on the show a little bit yesterday, I actually opted to spend a lot of time with her instead I think you'll understand. <laughs> Brenda says, right choice. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just running a little bit behind. Also, uh, this is now Thursday night, and after work, there was a mini medical emergency. Not, nothing too serious or anything like that, but I did kind of cut into some of the production and editing time that I would have normally spent on the show to get the show out. So, this week, running a little late and a little short. I'm not going to deprive you of the main topic, though, the main conversation. We've got Larry Underwood back on the show, a horror host known as Dr. Gang Green, great friend of mine, and we're going to talk about a movie from Amicus. This is a UK production company, kind of right underneath Hammer. So when you think of British horror, you think of Hammer films, and then there's Amicus right beneath it. And Amicus released a film in 1960-something or other. I'll have to find out for sure uh, when I mention it in the show notes. But the movie is called The Psychopath, directed by Freddie Francis. This is a movie that neither he nor I had seen before. So this is something that I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys and gals. Now, I don't have much else in this week's episode to offer you. However, if you have any feedback about this episode or any other episode of Monster Kid Radio, you can always call me at 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. I'll go over that at the end of the show as well. I'll also go over the email address, which is monsterkidradio at gmail.com. All right, let's get to Larry. Let's get to the psychopath right after this. dies at the controls of a train. Suddenly, a car swerves to destruction. Suddenly, a plane dives to death. The Earth dies screaming. Suddenly, death descends on the four corners of the earth, and only a handful of human beings survive to live in fear, powerless to combat an unknown terror. Turn it off. Who are you? That away, I'm not the enemy. I don't know who the enemy is.
The Earth Dies Screaming, and the Robots Take Over. Starring Willard Parker, Virginia Field, Dennis Price, She was dead. She was. She was alive enough tonight. Except her eyes. Well, what was the matter with them? She hasn't got any eyes. Here is paralyzing suspense as the Earth dies screaming. Electrifying terror as the Earth dies screaming. Jeff! Peggy! Peggy! The robots. What? Peggy! So how would you describe a podcast like The Shared Desk? It's a podcast that took its sweet time to do a promo. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think that goes without saying. I mean, you could say The Shared Desk is a podcast about collaboration, because that's what we do. Wait, 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 wait. There's a lot more to The Shared Desk. You got our Loot Crate looky-loo. Oh, what's in the box? And then what we're doing when we're not writing, usually it's pretty nerdy. Nerd! And then there are the drop-ins. Has the whole world gone crazy? Yes, there are droppings. And we love having guests on the show. It's the shared desk after all. And if it's Katie or Lauren, you get some lovely singing as well. So find the shared desk on iTunes, Stitcher, or at thesharedesk.com. The shared desk. Two writers. One podcast. Different different points points of view. view. It's a new height in fright. to do with this. The man's jugular vein was bitten clean through. Never before such diabolic evil as the skull. I found in the morning that the skull had been removed. Who removed it? those who use its power. Invisible beings, spirits from a strange, evil world. The moving skull spreads its shrieking terror everywhere. Casting its hypnotic trance over all who fall under its hideous shadow. killer at its evil command. Never before such blood-curdling horror as the skull. Thank you.
This is Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited, and occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. You know how the children of the night, ah, I mean monster kids, can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned, and don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of, like that pesky Van Helsing. So like I said at the top of the show, I wanted to have Larry on to talk about this movie because he's my amicus guy. He's the one that has really instilled in me a love of amicus. I liked amicus before, but for me, it was always I love Hammer films and amicus always felt like, you know, they're they're kind of cash in on, on what Hammer's doing. But because of Larry, I've really kind of learned that amicus is its own thing. And of course, doing some research Without Amicus, without the people behind Amicus, we wouldn't have Hammer Films in the way that it is today. Because it's really, you know, Sabotsky and them pitched Frankenstein to Hammer to begin with. Uh, when they first started getting going with the film industry there in, in the UK. So, you know, Milton Sabotsky and uh, what's the other guy's name? I always forget it. Max Rosenberg? Yes. Right. Exactly. Which Rosenberg. Who worked... <laughs> not with any kind of formal contracts, but basically just like a handshake. One worked in New York, one worked in the UK. They made these incredible movies that I now adore. And when I was doing some research on a pre-Amicus Amicus film, a proto-Amicus film, The City of the Dead, I was looking for the trailer and YouTube decided to show me the trailer for The Psychopath. You might be interested in this. And I never heard of it before, but as soon as I started playing it, I thought, you know, this is an amicus film. I got to talk to Larry about it. And I sent you the trailer and you'd never seen it either. No. And it immediately caught my attention. I mean, how could it not? This trailer is awesome. The trailer is great. I'll make sure I play the trailer here in the show somewhere. It's a lot of fun and it, it looks like a really cool I don't know, Amicus's versions of Hammer's mini Hitchcocks. You know, it's a lot of suspense. It's not a monster movie per se. It's not like Dr. Terror's House of Horrors or The Skull or anything like that. It, it's more of a suspense, almost giallo-like kind of yeah, movie. It is. And, you know, you, it's funny you mentioned Amicus kind of following up on what Hammer did. But, you know, there was a lot of cross-pollination between the oh, two yeah. of them. And uh, you see people in, who worked in both studios and, and uh, it was clear that these two Americans came to, to Britain to to take on Hammer or to, to imitate Hammer. So, yeah, I think you're spot on there. Yeah, and not just in front of the camera, even behind the camera. A lot of directors went back and forth. I mean, this one's directed by the great Freddie Francis. Mm-hmm. Who, great. you know, I mean, I do the Hammer Films podcast with Scott. And, and I love the Hammer Films. And Freddie Francis brings such a unique eye to everything that he does. And, and I've gushed about him over there on 1951 Down Place quite a bit. But you watch The Psychopath, especially once you get towards, like, say, the last three quarters of the film, or the last quarter of the film, excuse me, you can really see that cinematographer's eye that he brings to the picture. Definitely. He's such a phenomenal director. He directed one that you and I talked about before, The Skull. Yeah, which is great. You know, and, and of course, The Skull's got Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. So you've got the big name Hammer stars. When Hammer's not using them, they're making a few bucks over here working for Amicus. And Amicus treated them right because they kept coming back. Yeah. And doing more. Even this movie has an actor that I know from Hammer Films. Thorley Walters is in this. Mm-hmm. And sure. Thorley Walters did uh, a Frankenstein movie over there with Hammer. And, and Patrick Weimark was in The Skull. Also. Yes. Yeah. 
yeah. So you've got the crossover. So they they have maybe they come from the the same basic like mother sauce kind of thing, but they feel so different. Hammer versus Amicus, and it's it's really interesting. Now you had never seen this one before. Had you heard of it before? No, no, I have really, I mean, I, maybe I've heard the title before, but yeah, I mean, I've seen the poster. When I saw the poster, it's like, oh yeah, of course. And that, that mother can I go out and kill the night, of course, was the inspiration for the, the misfit song. Yeah. So it's a really cool little poster. Mother may I go out and kill. It, it looks like it could be a slasher flick, right? But it really isn't. Uh, it, people are dying left and right, but People die left and right in yellow films. So you can see this poster and maybe kind of get the impression that you're going to see like this kind of gritty, grimy, kind of exploitation-y kind of film. But it is so much more than that. <laughs> and I love the tagline. Don't cross the path of the psychopath unless you're tired of it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to love the advertising on these old movies. It's great. And that, that was uh, Max Rosenberg. And, you know, he was the, the PR guy. He was the guy that would come up with these crazy taglines. And I don't know if it went as far as like Hammer would go where they'd make the poster first and then design the movie. But the the poster art for the Amicus films are gorgeous and this one's fun i'd love to have this one too although if you look at it too closely it spoils a big chunk of the movie true because you've got <laughs> torched in an artist studio hanged in a junkyard maze it's like why are you showing us all the victims i don't understand <laughs> no, the trailer does the same thing <laughs> well that's true that's true <laughs> psychopath psychopath six he must slay crushing the first in a devilish way. Psychopath, psychopath, five is a game of violent death with a scorching flame. Psychopath, psychopath, leaving no clue. What man can guess what next you will do? Looks like another case of looking for a needle in a haystack, sir. That dog's our needle. Psychopath, psychopath, a tortured scream before the knife's descending gleam. Psychopath, psychopath, Poisons the game for the man who knows your unknown name. Psychopath, psychopath, still on the loose, bearing the hangman's deadly noose. So there was one. The do. None, sir. Psychopath, psychopath. Ominous fright. Threats of sticks of dynamite. Days without end of warning so chill. If you don't kill tonight, then tomorrow you will. The other thing that caught my eye about this movie is who wrote it. Definitely. Robert Block wrote this film, and that's that's pretty darn cool. 
Uh, Robert Block, of course, is known for Psycho, but if you start to look at his career, everything that he did, I mean, he wrote for Star Trek, he wrote for William Castle, he wrote for Hitchcock, of course, but he's also an incredible novelist. He was a correspondent with H.P. Lovecraft. Right. Oh, Weird Tales writer. Mm-hmm. Great, great, great uh, author. And uh, you could totally feel his influence on this on this script. I mean, it's it's complete Robert Blockian. It really is. If you're familiar with Psycho, you might recognize a few scene construction bits here and there, but it. I, I don't want to keep comparing. I don't want to compare it to Psycho because it's it's. Yeah, but you can't help though because of the mother son relationship in it. I mean, it's straight up. You know, mm-hmm. uh, playing off of that that success of that movie. I mean, it's com- completely building off of that and using it to its advantage. The case that it makes for being its own individual story, though, is solid. I mean, it's it's not just a psycho ripoff. It does play off of that a little bit, I suppose. But, you know, I've actually got it playing on my Kindle off to the side here, and I'm, I'm watching the mother make all sorts of crazy faces at you know, our <laughs> blonde lead as she climbs up the stairs. And, you know, I'm looking at this, and I can't help but just, man, I, my eye is drawn to it. The way Francis used the shadows to kind of hide what's happening here and and really ratchet up the terror. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really looks good. And, you know, somebody from Shout Factory or Scream Factory must have been paying attention to our Facebook conversation because uh, it's been announced they're going to be putting this out on Blu-ray, which, you know, as far as Amicus Productions go, I don't know if it's my favorite. It, it really isn't, actually. But I would love to see a nice, restored transfer of this movie. Oh, yeah, definitely, because um, I don't have this on DVD, and I don't know that a good version has ever been properly released so it'll be it'll be nice i think there's a version of it that uh was released in germany mm-hmm. but that might be about it i found a few dvdr companies selling it and different releases but I, nothing that's been really cleaned up mastered like this will be well, i'm looking forward to it and the commentary on that's by another friend of monster kid radio troy howarth is doing the commentary on that which will be fun maybe when the blu-ray comes out i can talk to him a little bit more about the movie and wow this final shot of the film oh creepy okay anyway uh, <laughs> I, I know we don't normally do like an in-depth kind of like this is what happened at this point kind of block by you know plot point by plot point but just overall we should probably talk a little bit about the story it's called the psychopath which i mean today in today's pop culture monster movie culture i mean that that kind of implies like a you know, maybe a Leatherface or a michael myers but that's not exactly what this movie is it actually starts with a really interesting uh kill in a really interesting image with the dolls I really enjoyed the way this movie feels and in the kind of story it's telling. It's basically a revenge story, right? Exactly. I mean, you got this old lady who's uh, wheelchair bound who uh, turns out that her husband uh, was, a, was a German industrialist and had been accused of uh, using slave labor in his factory. And this panel of, of uh, four men had uh, found, him, found him guilty and they had stripped them of their wealth and he had wound up going to prison and and wound up killing himself in prison so she's been bitter about it all these years and has this lawyer who's been trying to uh, look into the past of it and clear her husband's name and that's the guy that we see at the beginning of the movie is this lawyer Mm -hmm. he's carrying a violin because he's part of a amateur quartet of musicians who play classical music and he's going to practice and 
we see that he's got a flat tire because the opening shot is someone shoots out the tire of the car and he comes out and his tire's flat. So he's got to walk. And that's where on the way there, this car is following him and traps him in an alley and runs over him repeatedly, smashing him. Yeah, it's not just a hit and run. It is back and forth. And we don't see the car actually run over the guy, but we do see him the car run over the violin case. Back and forth, back and forth. And so you know, you know, the guy's getting tenderized. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Just oh, yeah. Back and forth, back and forth. There's a little doll left on the scene that, that looks exactly like the guy. And mm. that's kind of the coolest part about this movie to me. I love those dolls. Those They're dolls cool. are so cool. I mean, creepy. They're pretty good size. I mean, if you look at the movie poster for this, you'll see it. You'll see one of them because he's holding one for scale. And it's kind of like a calling card kind of thing. It's not like a voodoo doll kind of thing or anything like that. It's just a totem that's left behind, and it's really neat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those dolls, they're cool, but they are creepy. <laughs> There's this, this weird kind of uncanny valley about them a little bit, uh, especially the heads. And ultimately, we learn that it's the same. It's basically the same doll base like a, a, that you can get anywhere. The heads are the customized pieces to make them look like the victims. So, uh, so yeah, so these guys, you know, they, they begin getting picked off one by one in, in creative fashions. Like you mentioned, the blowtorch and, you know, one of them's poisoned and, and whatnot. And there's a policeman played by Patrick Weimark, who's Inspector Holloway, who's on the case. And he's got to try to figure this out and piece it together. And the trail leads him back to the, to the woman that we mentioned in the wheelchair, who's got a house full of these creepy, like, three-foot-tall dolls everywhere. Yeah. And it's super creepy. And, uh, you know, <laughs> what it reminds me of, and I know they'll never listen to this podcast, but my next door neighbor, okay, <laughs> they, they have me come over and house sit for their cats and, and their dog whenever they go on vacation. But she's got just this ton of dolls that are all piled up in a corner of their house. And every time I go over there, it freaks me out because it's all these dolls everywhere. I'm like, what is with the dolls? (laughs) (laughs) You know, one or two dolls, okay. But what is it about when you get like a big group of dolls and and have them set up like in a room somewhere? What is it about that that makes that creepy? But just like somebody playing with a doll, not a big deal. Whole uncanny valley thing, man. It's just, you know, it's overwhelming. (laughs) So weird. (laughs) I've never actually in person walked into a room and seen nothing but dolls all over the place. So she's already got 20 or 30 of them piled up in the corner, and it's it's just like, okay, that's yeah. Although, all right, then. Um, and and she'll never listen to this. I have an ex girlfriend years ago that collected Donald Ducks, and she had in her in her home a room. That was just filled from head to toe with Donald Duck figures. That's quackers, man. That's quackers, man. <laughs> but you'd walk in there and you'd see all the Donald Duck toys and figures and models and, and all that just kind of staring at you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that, that was You're a little good. bit creepy, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. <sighs> but it's not just the dolls that are creepy here. I mean, the woman in the wheelchair, she's good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, was that Margaret Johnston? Was yeah, that the actress? It was, who was in yeah. Burn Witch Burn, mm-hmm. probably the most notable film. And uh, she's really good, though, and especially towards the end. Of course, you know, the thing that's interesting about this film is they don't try to really very hard hide the identity of the killer. They, the first person gets killed. They find a doll. The, the detective goes right to the 
to the musicians and asked them about it. Well, one of the musicians is a doll maker. He goes to his factory and they say, oh, yeah, well, five of those dolls were ordered by this uh, this woman. And so he goes right to the old lady's house. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you kind of know right away that this is your killer, you know, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> the, the mystery isn't who's doing the killing. The mystery quickly becomes who else is she going to kill before she gets caught? Yeah. You know, or and, and it's just the ride uh, along the way is really what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not the mystery and trying to figure it out. Although there are some twists and turns, it's just enjoying the ride. Yeah. I did like that despite all this, there's also kind of this undercurrent, this understory here with uh, the daughter and her fiance. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. It was a Louise as the daughter and I forget the fiance's name. It's Donald, Donald Loftus. It's uh, played by a guy named Don uh, Borensko, something like that. Borensko. Okay. Don't know too much about him. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, but I did like him. But uh, you know, in the film, I, I don't think he's as good an actor as some of the others. But I mean, do I, I do like him in his presence? And you know, for a little bit before they really kind of tell us, yeah, it's the woman. We might think it might be him because he and his fiance's father don't get along very well. The father hasn't really accepted him as future son-in-law. I, I feel like a few times they try to make it sound like maybe he's involved, even well, after we learn. They sort of yeah. do, but then when you see her father get killed, it's clearly not him. I mean, they make it very clear. Yeah, that at that it's, point, it's very clear. So, And he's the second one to get it, so, mm-hmm. you know, they're not trying real hard to hide it. No, yeah, that's true. That's true. He uh, <laughs> has been called the Canadian James Dean, the actor. Uh, okay. I, I guess so. Um, I mean, I guess uh-huh. he's got that kind of 60s leading man thing going but who i really liked in this was the fiance i liked judy huxtable as louise oh yeah she was good Uh, she was really good um you know a a lot of times when you have a movie like this you might and this is what hammer used to do too you'd throw in a pretty girl you know Mm -hmm. and and maybe dub her later because you don't like her accent i feel like judy huxtable did a really good job in this film that she held her own against some of these other actors she did and you you might remember her from scream and scream again yep apparently she did a european uh, spy film which i've never seen or even heard of the second best secret agent in the whole wide world so all oh, right I, I need to see that <laughs> he's really jealous of james bond yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah in fact that was the movie she made right before this one Nice. I need to see that too. <laughs> that sounds, sounds awesome. awesome. Yeah. No, I thought she was just really good. And uh, I don't know why she stopped acting in the late 70s. Uh, apparently, she's still with us. But no. Yeah. I don't know. Her and, and I know the son of the of the lady is still alive also. Yeah. Yeah. John Standing is his name. John Standing. Yeah. Who's also good? The doctor was kind of a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, Luis's father is, is ill. You got to watch those doctors. Yeah. And this guy just seems <laughs> – Colin Gordon is who played him. And he's got no patience for anybody. And even when the, the fiancé um, <laughs> says, you know, I went to medical school. Well, that's nice. Whatever. I'm leaving. You know, just <laughs> – Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Very short. No bedside manner whatsoever. You know, in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to the amicus pictures, is this a good movie? Sure. Is it necessarily what I'm going to put in when I'm saying I'm feeling like an amicus film tonight? Probably not. Right. Where, where do you think it stands in, in the amicus uh, films that you've seen? Oh, well, I mean, it doesn't stack up to the portmanteau films at all and um, or something like The Skull at all. But I tell you, that last five minutes of the film are super solid and really creepy. Mm-hmm. And when the 
woman finally corners the young lady, uh, Louise, when she finally corners her and the, it, the entire plot is revealed, there's a stairway scene that is super creepy and makes the entire thing worth it. I mean, that, that is the, the absolute capper for the film. It's, it's, it's great. It's a great finale. It really is. And that's what I was referring to earlier. When I was looking at the shadows and going up the stairs and running through the house and just trying to escape and get out. It is super solid. I think the movie really kind of raises the bar when the one guy gets, I guess, crushed by chains, <laughs> which was which was a cool sequence, too. But from that point on, I mean, just hold on because it's solid. The relationship between the mother and son is very much a psycho thing, very much the Ed Gein kind of thing, the overbearing mom and the young son who at one point talks about wanting to protect her and, and where's the dolls? I've got to find them and hide them. Where'd you put them, mother? You know, mm-hmm. this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So very Robert Block. You can Very Robert Block, who's somebody that I don't talk enough about here on the show. I, I feel like I need to because and, – and I've said this uh, on the Facebook page at least – that – I don't feel classic horror from like the fifties on or the sixties on would be the same without block. Yeah. He, his influence, whether it's psycho, whether it's some of the other work that he did for some of these other people, whether it's the fiction he wrote and the weird tale stories and, and that sort of thing. If it wasn't for him, the, the horror landscape would look a little different. It's true. I tell you something yeah. that makes this movie feel really weird. Also is the music in it. It's got this. You mentioned that before. I wanted to bring that yeah, up. So thank you. Yeah. It's kind of uh, almost like a children's lullaby kind of, uh, but a, but an off kilter, like discordant kind of thing that's going on. The, the woman's name was uh, Elizabeth Luttons. Luttons. Mm-hmm. I just watched another movie that she did the, the soundtrack for. It's called Paranoiac. It felt very similar. And I kept thinking, why, is, why does this feel kind of like that? But maybe that's why the music for both of them being composed by her. Yeah. She did some hammer. Uh, she did uh, Paranoiac, which uh, is a great Oliver Reed film. I mean, if, if you haven't seen Paranoiac, I know we talked about a 1951 down place a while back, but if you haven't seen that movie, you're missing out. But she also did The Skull, which is an amicus film. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a CD out there called Love from a Stranger for British Scores, and it's got music from The Skull on it. So if you are interested in hearing some of this music by itself, Check that out. You can find it. It's got, uh, what's that, like six or seven tracks from The Skull on there. And then a few other movies, too, but nothing. To put a link yeah, it's, to that. Yeah, I will. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes and a place for you to buy it. So I get like 25 cents per sale or something. Nice. Like so whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can afford the coffee that we're drinking and, here. All and right. another Skull <laughs> tie-in to this movie is the cinematography, who's sort of Freddie Francis's go-to guy, John Wilcox. Mm-hmm. He did this. He did Legend of the Werewolf, Evil Frankenstein. Great cinematographer. Oh, fantastic cinematography in this film. I'm going back to Elizabeth Lutyens because I'm a film score guy. And just looking over some of the movies that she did, The Earth Dies Screaming. She's got some great music in there. She did some work in Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. Some good stuff, man. Oh, yeah. Really that's, good stuff. That's a solid filmography for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like we said, this movie's coming out on Blu-ray. Uh, did they have a release date? I can't remember if there was a release date listed or not. Yes, I did see that. I uh, want to say it was April, sometime in mid-April. Kino, it's Kino. Kino has announced a brand new 4K HD transfer of this elusive Robert Block horror ex- exercise for release in April of 2018. So, it's Kino, not Scream Factory. So, my bad. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry about that, uh, Kino and, and Troy. I, I love that Troy's doing so much work now, uh, doing the DVD commentaries. I love what he does. Have you listened to many of his work or much of his no, work? No, I haven't. I, I, you know, unfortunately, haven't listened to a lot of commentary tracks on current releases at all. But um, I would like to. And I, I plan to get this, so I'd like to hear that. He does a really good one on uh, the Kaltiki release. It came out last year. I've never seen that movie. What? Nope, never seen Caltiki. Oh man, you'd love Caltiki. I'm an immortal immortal monster for not watching it, but I'd like to. <laughs> it's like a it's like a grindhouse version of the blob. It's so good. A grindhouse version of the blob. That should be the blurb for the movie. <laughs> That'd make me go see it. Yeah, no, it's a good flick, man. Good flick. Well, Troy and Troy does good work. He knows his stuff. So when that comes out, when we get closer to a release of that, I'll make sure there's a, a link on our website as well about that. Yeah, here it is right here. 4K restoration. That's great. I'm looking forward to that restoration just for the last bit of this movie. With stuff yes. in the house. That'll yes. be amazing. Yeah, that'll be good. Fantastic. Well, anything else to say about the psychopath before we wrap this up? Really interesting film. Uh some some Cool plot point, great cinematography, and creepy vibe throughout. Just a real creepy vibe throughout it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's one that's definitely worth people's time. The trailer alone will make you want to watch it. And then afterwards, you'll you'll appreciate that you did, I think. I mean, I've never heard anybody uh, say that they hated it, who I've talked to about it. It's an interesting movie, it, it, especially for Amicus. And I wonder, you know, I keep saying it's going to be great to see it as a rest- restored version of the movie, but... Part of, I think, the the creepiness comes from watching it like on a YouTube video or an old beat up you know, DVD transfer from Germany or whatever. There, there's this kind of, for lack of a better term, naughtiness to watching it that way that kind of lends itself to that kind of creepy vibe all the way through. Yeah. That said, I'm sure the cinematography is going to look gorgeous in the transfer. Oh, yeah. I think update, you'll so. definitely be more glad that you saw it and restored once you do. Well, Larry, uh, uh, what's up for you next? I mean, we're wrapping up Vincent Price and... and Anything coming up for Dr. Gang Green? Well, we're finishing up this horror anthology film that we shot. We've done three of the stories, and Cameron McCaslin, my director, has released them uh, in film festivals, and they've all, each of them done really well, been very well received. And so we've got another one that we're planning on shooting this spring, a kind of zombie motorcycle short. And then uh, probably we'll release it with just the four stories, although I'd kind of like to do a fifth, but we probably won't. I, what I, Our plan is to sort of release that and then start taking it on a tour this summer and showing it places. Fantastic. And will you be hosting them as Dr. Gangrene? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the plan. It's a Dr. Gangrene anthology. And yeah, so I look forward to seeing that finally get wrapped up. That's the plan for this summer. Um, and then this uh, fall, I got some plans on returning to some horror hosting stuff too. Oh, really? Yeah. So, Oh, be that'll good. be good. Yep. <laughs> that'll be really, really good. Don't want to talk too much about it yet because it's all still sort of, you know, right. um, yeah, I don't in, wanna... the, in the works. But yes, yes, there is. There, there are those plans. No, I don't want to jinx it, but uh, the world needs more Dr. Gain Green material out there. I'll well, thank you, you. In the meantime, I, I post... Three times a week now I've been posting on, on YouTube, so I've been very active on there so people can see new stuff and a lot of old stuff on my YouTube channel as well. I think that's great, too, that you've been very active on YouTube. I'll make sure there's links to that as well. Uh, we're seeing some vintage Dr. Gang Green. I actually just watched The House that, let's see, the house that Dripped Blood, uh, and, and yeah. I made sure that I yeah. watched the Dr. Gang Green hosted version of the movie. Uh, as a, because, awesome. You know, Speaking of the Amethyst right, film, right. that was that was probably my favorite film that 
I got to host during the run. It was funny. I had said to my program director that if you ever get a chance to, to get this movie, please do, because it's got both Peter Cushing and Chris Frilly both in it. And I would love to show it. And he did. And what was even it, it popped up just out of the blue. He said, hey, Larry, guess what? I got that movie you're asking about. I said, which one? He goes, The House of Drip Blood. I said, are you kidding me? And it just showed up. So we used to get this list of movies that were barter films that the station licensed. And he would send the list to me and I would go through and pick off which ones I want to host. And it just so happened that after I said that, that movie popped up on the list. And I said, yes, let's definitely do it. And what was even better was that the show aired late night, May 26th into May 27th. So it hit both of their birthdays. <laughs> so we celebrated both birthdays on the show. That's awesome. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, that was a, that was a lot of fun. Right on. Yeah, and that's on YouTube now. So listeners, check it out. It's the way to see the movie. Dr. Gang Green, Larry, thanks for being part of Monster Kid Radio, and thanks for talking Amicus with me every time I, I get an Amicus hair. Yeah. <laughs> Always glad to be here. Thanks. Right on. You can find Larry at drganggreen.com. This is where he posts a lot of his horror hosting stuff, and he's always putting up links to various YouTube videos as well. And, of course, you can find him on YouTube. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to that as well. Now, this is going to be the end of the show. I don't have a look at Frankenstein this week. I know we're doing the year of Frankenstein here on Monster Kid Radio, but, uh, you know, I'm just going to sit on it until next week when we talk about Ghosts of Frankenstein. And depending on how froggy I'm feeling, uh, maybe we'll talk about the next Frankenstein film too. Kind of catch up a little bit. Anyway, that'll be coming up next week. Also, what's coming up next week, more conversation with somebody. Uh, I'm either going to play another conversation with Larry, with Dr. Gangrene, because we talked about another movie as well, or I'll dig into my vault of unreleased audio and see what I've got that I can put out on the show. Either way, come back here, because next week we've got brand new content, more stuff, more Frankenstein talk, more monster movies, more monster kid radio fun that you guys and gals have made incredibly fun for me. Head over to monsterkidradio.net to find everything else you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes links to our contact information it's right there again it's email address is monsterkidradio at gmail.com or you call me a voicemail at 503-479-5657 it's 503-4795-MKR there's a link to our Facebook page and our Facebook group over there as well so if you want to connect with us on Facebook that's how you do it I don't think I've got a link there yet but you can also find us on Twitter I'm getting more involved in Twitter again and Monster Kid Radio is how you can find me over there as well. And of course, there will be a link to the band that let us play their music here on the show. I want to get this show out, so I'm going to wrap this up right now. This is the end of the show. Thank you for listening. And remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives. <sighs> 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song that we're playing this week. It is from the band The Necronautics. You can find them at thenecronautics.bandcamp.com and check out the EP Headhunt. You can buy it for four euros. It's four songs, and they're all cool. The title track, Headhunt, is one of my favorites. My name is Derek M. Cook. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao.